0: Welcome to the Black Duck Revival Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Wilkins. I'm excited to have you join me as I speak with a fascinating collection of folks, all of whom have in common that they've made a way for themselves by finding an intersection between thoughtful consideration and the tactile work of getting their hands dirty. This is an examination of intention, capability, and craft. It's where philosophy meets the blue-collar work ethic and where I find real value. hey and welcome back to the black duck revival podcast this week is an unusual episode because uh depending on what podcast you listen to you might have already heard this one uh, on another form that would be the woodside podcast hosted by ben o'brien uh, of bozeman montana uh, a few weeks ago a couple weeks ago i can't remember exactly when uh Ben came down to Arkansas, came to Brinkley, Arkansas, and uh, we stayed at the bungalow and hunted with my buddies. Jordan and Britt, Jordan's got a a really cool family farm like three miles away from the lodge, and uh, we've been hanging out and hunting together a little bit for the last couple of years, and uh, we had initially planned to hunt with Jesse Griffiths from the New School of Traditional Cookery and his buddy Hunt, but... That, uh, that couldn't happen just to get sick or something happened. He just couldn't come up. So I called Ben O'Brien on a Wednesday, and he was here a day and a half later. And, man, we hung out. We shot some ducks. We shot some specks. We cooked a bunch, talked a whole bunch, cleaned a bunch of birds. Man, it was a super, super fun hang. This is a guy that I would met a couple times before just, like, you know, in passing. We were aware of each other. Uh, you know, obviously, I'd, I'd known about him from – his time in Meat Eater, and the Hunting Collective podcast, and this new podcast he has called Woodside. And I was like, especially interested in that last spring when I was driving around chasing turkeys, and I was listening to a bunch of Ben stuff. Yeah, dude, It look, if you like long-winded people talking about the whys of hunting and cooking and all of that stuff, you're going to love it. Uh, this is a podcast for you. If... You just want to hear hunting stories. Uh, this is gonna be insufferable. I mean, dude, I think me and Ben are probably gonna end up doing some cool stuff together, you know, here in the coming years. But uh, yeah, this is a <laughs> this is a this is definitely gonna be a relationship of uh, just enough because me and this dude can both flap gums for a long, long time. So, uh, and I mean that in like the best possible way. Like I had a great conversation with this guy. Recorded. Uh, we talked tons like the whole time he was here when we were hunting cooking and eating meals hanging outside and plucking birds i like so much about this guy and i hope to get to be able to hunt with him more and hang out with him more and talk about this this kind of stuff this like heady big important stuff around something that's really big and important to me which is hunting and uh, the way i'm raising my children uh, in that lifestyle and you know, uh, being part of a family and all that stuff. So, uh, what we did was we recorded this podcast and then we do what I guess is called a swap cast. Uh, that's an idea that Ben introduced me to. It just means that two people that each have independent podcasts record a podcast and uh, release that recording separately uh, on their own platforms. So, that's what we've done. Ben released uh, his version of the episode. I think it'll end up being a couple weeks before this one, but if you don't listen to Woodside, I would encourage you to, Uh, but first, listen to this podcast and enjoy this conversation with my new friend, Ben O'Brien. Hey everyone, uh, welcome back to the Black Duck Revival podcast. This week, I find myself back in Brinkley, Arkansas, but this time over in the Black Duck Bungalow, which uh, has actually been a real treat. It's, this, this building's kind of turned into like my own little personal guide shack cabin, and uh, so I've got some folks that have, <clears throat> excuse me, some guys from Georgia that have rented out the the old church for the month of January for. Uh, at least they have down the road so i'm just kind of hanging out in the bungalow and uh, this week on the podcast and this weekend uh for some hunting i'm joined by one ben o'brien uh of the woodside podcast uh and uh outdoor industry member extraordinaire so, Ben, first of all, thank you very much for uh, taking the time to be on the it's podcast. It's good to be
1: here. It's nice you have a comfortable couch here in, there, Dude, in the bungalow.
0: You want to know the story on this couch, Please man? do. So this is a wonderful couch, and it's like leather and very plush and comfortable. And uh, a few years ago, there was a... I'm not... Uh, I feel bad because I left. It's just kind of weird and awkward. There was a... Uh, there were some some people that were murdered in Little Rock, Whoa. and I attended the estate sale.
1: Okay, uh, I didn't see. You. I didn't know where you were going. With
0: that. <laughs> yeah, they were they were murdered in their house, and I attended this the estate sale, and no one had bought this couch, I think, because it was uh it was so like big and, yeah. and hard to move around. Yep. And so I like went back like an hour before they closed and uh, got them down on the price, and <laughs> with a tra- <laughs> took a trail over there and got this thing. And, wow. Yeah, so man, this is a. It's a nice couch. This has been witness to, <laughs> some, to sad things. Some man.
1: sad things. Well, it's 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 in a good home now. I, I it's hope in a good so, place.
0: Uh, but yeah, so like the way this went down is uh, our mutual friend Jesse Griffiths, uh, and his buddy Hunt. They were supposed to come up and hunt this weekend. We, I mean, Jesse and me had been planning it. Shit, man! I don't know six, seven, eight months, something like that. He
1: told me about it. He didn't tell me he was coming with you, but he told me he was going. He's never killed a greenhead. He's going to Arkansas, and like I, oh, I was like, oh, I was there last year, and we started talking about it. He never mentioned that he was coming with you, and uh, I was excited for his first duck hunt. So I didn't realize. Then I realized when you called and said he's not coming that oh he's not going to get a chance for his first first greenhead.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, and he's I mean he's killed ducks before and stuff, but I that's that's wild that he's never killed a. A Drake Mallard, because uh, like where I'm at, that's the thing that you shoot. You yeah, know? Like that's the everything. Pinnacle. Everything else is, yeah, is like kind of second best. Or, you know, that's kind of how it's uh, publicly considered. But like with that mixed bag we had, dude. Like I'm most stoked about that little teal. We that got.
1: teal. Well, I'll post a picture. Or you should post. We should show people the pristine nature of that teal.
0: Just it plucked beautifully, it was so fat and plump
1: the skin is 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 undamaged like yeah. there's no bb that entered the breast or any part of the bird It looked like it was just a headshot that I could tell but I don't know just from from what you think of a beautifully plucked wild duck it is I, I feel like it is the top
0: oh dude yeah I'm I'm into it, and you like you saw the range. Like they can get kind of messy sometimes. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Everything about that, and that was like the, I told you, that's the biggest uh, green wing teal I'd ever seen. Yeah, and it's and like the other guys we were hunting with, uh, Jordan and Britt, they both independently they just came up on. they like, dude, that's a huge <laughs> green wing yeah. teal. Uh, yeah, when I shot it, you know, it was buzzing around in that like bumblebee. Pack that teal buzz around in, and I shot that one, and it was on the water, and I had to, I had to like water swat it again to, cause it was like, it just wasn't completely gone. Yeah. And, you know, I was just far enough away from it, like I shot it, I, you know, I was like, oh, it's a teal, and then I saw the size of it, and I was like, what is that? A gadwall? What's going on here? And then I got up on, it, and I was like, dude, that's a huge, big old donkey, as they <laughs> say, in a popular. The parlance of our times.
1: Yeah, I got to watch you do it. From we had we had yeah, absconded yeah, yeah. to the other side of the of of the flooded field to try to see if we could cut off some birds, and I got to watch you.
0: Watch me miss some birds. Watch too. Watch you yeah. miss a few. <laughs> you hit a few. It's uh, a symphony, dude. It was that was fun. That was that hunt was like we we talked about. Like with people get so consumed with limits. Uh, yeah, and like in stacking up these birds when they're duck hunting, but man, even though we only what do we kill? We killed a we got a wood duck, we got a green wing teal, We got a couple of specks.
1: That was it, I think. Yeah, I think four.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, which man, I mean that's that's not the greatest. Uh, that's not that's not a four man limit, but dude, there was birds all day long (laughs) just thousands and thousands of them and they they just kept wanting to land like a hundred yards off which that's the problem with hunting hunting a pit in big water is that they can go anywhere they want to and they wanted a hundred yards away
1: from us yeah i'm no i'm no veteran waterfowler, but i've done it enough to know that when i show up that generally is what happens
0: no man i dude because you you've alluded to this stuff this weekend but Like, look, what it really is, is the waterfowling that people consume on social media is malarkey. The truth of it is, is that, and we discussed this yesterday, a season of waterfowl should be measured in the cumulative nature of it. Mm. It's like what you see on Instagram is... Okay, what you see on Instagram from a reputable source, because there is this thing where people save up greenheads all season long in the freezer and then they thought
1: they, they do not. Yeah, people do on, that.
0: On, make a log pick. Come on, people. Absolutely. But when you see someone, you know, you'll see a post, man. Oh, they did it right today. And it's just, it's this intimidating <laughs> collection of birds, right? But they're not telling you, dude, that they had for five, they hunted five days and they had one unbelievable hunt and they had uh, two hunts that were you know the higher side of mediocre and they just had two yeah. two hunts where nothing went right uh, and, and
1: I would say this about about that because we talked about that a little bit both days we were out I feel like I'm a passive waterfowl hunter mm-hmm. not in the act of actually being out there but in terms of like my interest for it sure. I have other other pursuits within hunting that I am very passionate about and I see them as kind of a craft that I'm honing over time. I think a lot about how to call turkeys and exactly how turkeys move through a landscape and in the, in the natural history of turkeys. And same with elk and some other things. But I'm I'm fairly passive and kind of a am kind of a tourist when it comes to waterfowl mm-hmm. hunting in a sure. lot of ways. So because I'm a tourist, I enjoy the experience so as much as anything. Being out there, you know, dogs. Splashing through water, kind of like a little kid out there just having an adventure. Every morning you go waterfowl hunting. There's, it's just a dynamic experience. People in the blind laughing, eating breakfast. Like it, it, it just has this. As someone who doesn't think of it as a craft, I'm not out out there worried about is this decoy spread going to work? Are my calls tight today? Am yeah, t- yeah. I'm I'm usually riding along with someone like you who is a craftsman who is thinking about those things, which inherently I think come with a little bit of pressure to to perform yeah man
0: it's uh which it you know a few years ago when i like started taking people out you know and they were like giving me money dude man I'm, i'm talking about like sick to my stomach yeah but now i to your point the the entirety of the experience is what i'm offering to people right and not just like the hunting part but the processing and the cooking and and the conversation and the camaraderie and like sleeping in a place that I like built and designed and all that shit, right? So that that's the stuff I can control. Like the other stuff, I mean this is why water this is why people that like duck hunt. I've taken the same waterfowlers and even though I've I've killed more geese in the last three or four years and I have ducks, I still I still think it's duck hunting. Uh they fuck man i completely lost what i was talking about i'll tell you what i started thinking about man. (laughs) you gotta i think you gotta squeeze your headphones a little bit tighter because you're getting that little rattle okay i started getting distracted uh but yeah man like you and i've said this many times like waterfowl is there's you can learn lots and there is a you can you know use experience to predict things but by its very nature, it's a, it's an ephemeral creature, yeah. right? Like, it, it doesn't exist. Like, if you have 500 acres, you've got deer that are on that 500 acres all the time. You could have the greatest waterfowling paradise on Earth, and if those birds, for any number of reasons, a storm comes through or whatever, the moon phase or blah, blah, I mean, those birds can literally pack up, and they can, they've, they've, uh, They've tracked a speckle-belly goose at like twelve hundred miles traveled in twenty-four hours. Wow, twenty-four
1: hours—that's
0: some work. A bird will get up. Man, they get up high and they get up on those thermals, man, and yeah. they can ride. I mean, you're talking about like an average speed of over a hundred miles an hour or something crazy. Maybe I'm maybe I'm saying this wrong, but it's it's impressive. Uh, but anyway, man, dude, this has been like legit. This has been one of the more fun. Uh, hunting weekends i've had in in a while man
1: yeah i I, I, we were saying this today when we were coming out i just feel like i'm a pretty social dude when i i live in montana so when i elk hunt i I often do it alone Mm -hmm. because i think just just the way that elk hunting is often lends itself to solitude and you need to kind of do your own thing a lot of times. I, I have a, hunt, a couple of elk hunting partners that we know each other. Like, we have a social contract. Like, we do it a certain way. But it takes a lot to get to know somebody sure. in the elk hunting. But to sit in... you know, I would say there are, there are elements of that with duck hunting because you want to be safe, right? If you're in a pit blind with somebody, you want to know that they can handle themselves mm. and their shotgun and be be relatively safe around other people firing a weapon. But beyond that, man, it's such a communal experience. Like, we just spent an hour and a half, 2 hours out here plucking ducks and drinking beer and listening to music. I mean, yeah. I, like I wouldn't replace that. Like that has to be a part of the experience in my opinion.
0: And it was fun. I mean, like that was actually a good time, you know. Uh yeah. So I would I would say that that is that communal aspect is something that people really respond to with duck hunting. Uh, I'm into it with very specific parameters and still only part of the time like i i i do want to hunt to duck hunt every year by myself right like just me uh or you know really me and my dog and now that ammo's getting old and i you know it'd be kind of cruel to hunt him uh but you know shit man i was just thinking about that like dude it ain't ever the same out there by yourself without the dog, and like there's a communion in that. Maybe it's just inherent, sure you know. I think
1: it is, man. I, I really do. And I, one of the real, I, I try to be a, a generalist. I have different passions, like at different levels, like I said, but in general, I want to be doing, I like enjoy the seasonality of, of mm. the way a year looks. And at least in my life, yeah. people live in different places, their year seasonally will look different. But for me, after big game season is over, I get like a month and a half, two months to think about community. Really, like being with my family. It's the holidays. It's Christmas. It's Thanksgiving. It's I try to slow life down a little bit, and duck hunting just slides and fits right in there perfectly because it's always like it's just a social event to me a lot of times. Yeah,
0: especially if you're. I mean, it sounds like you're. You know what, duck hunting half a dozen times a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It. I think that in, for many different reasons, it's like Arkansas and and ducks and geese are, are it's a, it's very different than other places. Yeah. You know, like it is a cultural identifier, and then you start getting into the, you know, for lack of a better term, the business of it. Uh. I mean, I, I love it. You know, like it is, it's just kind of like my little catchphrase, like, Hunting Ducks has changed the temperament and quality and tenor of my life.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh but but man it is a it is stressful to me. Yeah. You know, and it uh and and then I'm thinking about like oh could I've done this better? Could I've done that? You know, and oh uh, was you know was like did I look up the it's it I'll tell you when it's not stressful. When it goes perfect and like you can do no wrong.
1: <laughs> but I'm telling you, man, there there is a element of this. You have a business too to think sure. about and you have f- folks that are, are paying for experience or folks you're bringing out that aren't even that you're hoping to show yeah I'm, not, like, I'm
0: hosting people like, yeah. all season
1: this yeah, sure. this 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 world right that yeah. you're introducing them to this world so you have a responsibility as like the tour guide or the shepherd or like somebody mm-hmm. that's bringing someone else out and showing them this wonderful thing and you want them to see the best parts of it right you want yeah. them to experience the things that you know are like the the peak waterfowl hunting experiences uh and, and that's, I know that pressure because I do that in other ways. Yeah. I take people elk hunting, I take them turkey hunting, I take them deer hunting. I, f- like, I know what that feels like. I feel like I'm, I don't know if, if craftsman is the right term, but you work at it like that and you work at the idea of where the decoys go and how to call and where to set up and if it doesn't work, you want to hone, like, those skills, you need to further hone them and prove to yourself that, that the that time you spend is paying off. That's at least how I feel when I'm totally. taking a, when yeah. I'm taking a new hunter out for turkeys and I'm explaining to him like this is the best thing ever. Way to experience it. I feel responsible for the words I just said, for the experience yeah. that that person's about to have. And I know I can I feel I like I've in the morning had like thunder breathing gobblers come out of the come out of the cypress in Florida and like blow steam out of their beak as they gobble it and come perfectly into the light and come into the decoys and shoot them. It's perfect. I know what that looks like. It feels like.
0: It's, uh, but you know, I mean, this, maybe this is a bit of hyperbole, but it's like explaining to somebody what it feels like to be in love. Like you can say, you can say all the cliched shit you want, man, but, until, you know, until you're, like, 15 and you, it happens for the first time, right? <laughs> like, dude, I remember I remember being, like, 17 and this girl I was really into. And, I mean, it just seemed like everything was going, going great. And then she uh, broke up with me to get back with her ex-boyfriend who was on my lacrosse team. Uh, and I remember, like, <laughs> being outside my mom's house like it's snowing in St. Louis and I'm just like standing underneath a street light like smoking these Parliament 100s that cuz I used to be able to I used to, be able to get them from this gas station I worked at and just this like This is an incredible
1: picture you're dude, painting. I'm Fully listening to
0: like awful. I'm listening to Counting Crows and just like <laughs> <laughs> bummed out. <dude. laughs> but like I mean you can laugh at that but and and it is funny at this point but you know, you probably know what it's like to have like your heart ripped up by some girl you're really into, right? For sure. Yeah. How do you explain that to someone who's like, uh, you know, a sociopath and can't understand <laughs> human emotion?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's true. I you you said today when we were out there, like there is, there is this like romance about it all, if you're there, to, if you're there for it, mm-hmm. like if you're willing to let go of whatever pretense you have and just, like, experience. Like, ducks and geese are amazing, man.
0: Watching the, them drop, like, when they... I mean, they'll court screw down sometimes.
1: Amazing. The whole experience is amazing. Talking to any wild creature and having to talk back to you is, is in and of itself, this kind of very unique thing, you know? A, I always feel like that's a moment in time. It's a flow state when you're yeah. talking to something.
0: Well, it's a... I'll tell you too, with, with birds, man, and I'd say turkey hunting too, is that, I mean, hunting in general, but I I feel like specifically with birds that you're birds and birds that you're talking to, not just birds, you're like flushing or something. It's, it's all about potential. There's this – what you're attracted to is the potential for it to happen, right? Like, I mean, what's happening? Oh, hey, there's Doug. Around. Oh, man, he turned. He broke in them corners. Oh, man, he's coming. Oh, son of a buck. He went down over in that bar ditch. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's the potential because then when they do it right, and like an actual perfect hunt, the actual hunt that you want is you want – you want it to not go quite right. Like, you want it to almost happen – you know, for thirty minutes or an hour, and then you make some adjustment, or you figure out like, oh, I got to bark at them today, or man, they just like they want almost no calling, or they just want like this little soft chatter or whatever. Right. And then you get it, and you can make it happen. Then it's oh, dude, I figured it out. Oh yeah. I I got it. Uh, and and you've got it for a fleeting for a fleeting moment, and you maybe here's what happens a lot when you do get it, it works that day, and it works the next day, yeah. and the third day they're gone. Yeah. You know, and then you have to, then you enter trying to find them and figure out and what are yeah. they doing again? It's
1: like this unique equation. And when you solve it, it just resets. Yeah. Cause when you solve it, you kill that duck and that duck is an individual as much as it's a part of a species. It's an individual. Yeah. It has its own conditioning. It's its own experiences. And it, it does a certain thing, you know, for a bunch of, re- for, for a bunch of reasons, all of its own outside of the, the idea of what a duck is going to do. And in, in, in general, like as, as, as a duck. So it's just, and that's the, the allure of it too. Like that, it's, that's endless. You know, when you get to, when I talk to a turkey and it talks back and like, I get in the state where I think it, I think it is responding to me. We did, a I did a podcast about elk calling this year, the guy, Corey Jacobson, and we were trying to teach people how to call elk was was we sat down and the idea of the podcast was we were going to teach people how to call elk and to my utter delight man he turned it into like a, a conversation about emotion when calling about emoting when you're calling he's like it doesn't matter the noise coming out it matters how intentional you are how much emotion you have and how much understanding you have for what you're trying to say and who you're saying it to and, and what that conversation might look like if it gets started And I thought that was a really cool way to approach that, you know, other than saying, put the call on the roof of your mouth, put your tongue here, and now blow really hard. And now go up in your tone and down. He didn't start like that. He just was explaining kind of how to be effective through emotion.
0: You know what that made me think of is, so like probably a lot of people are, people think duck calls and they think like main street calling competitions, right, which is, right. that's not, that's not how you call ducks when you're you're hunting uh that's a display of endurance and dexterity on an instrument right but you know like the the comeback call I think of it when I've tried to explain people like what you're doing when you're calling like the uh like the hail call mm-hmm. you know is a Rant, 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 rant. it's like hey 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 over here over here over here over here look, look 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 at me it's like pay attention to me right or sometimes you put this like pleading thing and i was like rant rant and i always tell people it's like please 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 please, please. Yep. and that's uh or you give them and, and you hear people describe it man just a little contented, contented little contented quack right uh and then there's that alarm uh when they're rant, they're looking around what's going on here, you know?
1: Is there any, like challenge is there a challenge quack? Like if you're you're a <laughs> like bow up on a Hell yeah. Uh, we should we should invent that right now if there's not if that's not a thing. It, I mean like a challenge quack. You got a Drake coming in and you're trying to fight that sucker.
0: What would it well I don't know what you would do, man. Like what's up? Well okay, what well now? so okay, so in that scenario I would think that you're talking about a Drake coming in and another Drake fighting it, right? Yes, but all that quacking is only the females. Uh, you know, like a, a a Drake mallard's like it's just like this. I mean, you do it with a little whistle, yeah, right? Yep. Like the the the, the girls are the ones that are like really talking, like the and and I love that dichotomy too because. The Drakes are like the the focus, right? And they're so brilliantly colored, and mm-hmm. you can see that iridescence and that sparkle and all that stuff, right? But vocally, it's a it's an unimpressive critter. It's not like a like a tom turkey that's like you can feel in your body.
1: Yeah, and like in much of that type of hunting, much of turkey hunting is is defined by that gobble. Mm. I mean, it, it's. It's such. It's interwoven into the experience. If there was no gobbling, spring turkey hunting would be completely different. Same with elk hunting. There's no bugling. Yeah, and I, you know, you can experience both those things. You fall turkey hunting is completely different.
0: Have you have you done much of that?
1: I just. It's like is the least compelling th- thing to me because I just know what spring turkey hunting is, but I have done some of it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Once I've realized. Once I realized what it was, and I suspect at some point in my life I'll, I'll do some fall turkey hunting, but yeah, I was, I was like, uh, I was like, man, it's it's missing the
1: romance. Yeah, people always make fun of me for equating turkeys and elk, but it's similar. Elk in late rifle season elk are completely different animals they move through a landscape a different way they relate to each other a different way they relate to you in a different way they are for lack of a better term in some ways when they get down in agriculture they are like livestock mm. they're I mean, they, well,
0: they're a herd animal they're, they're a sure. herd
1: animal so they become intensely a herd animal then <clears throat> and and um turkeys are very similar um in that way so you, you just they lose their turkiness or their elkness, and they become like just kind of a lifeless <laughs> to me kinda of just a lifeless uh food starved you know organism that's just not that elk that was screaming and running around the woods and dominating and fighting and pissing on themselves and you know rolling around in the mud and grunting and like that's that's what an elk is to me when i hunt them but an elk just like crawling up in a field and popping up and there's an elk there just chewing its cud sorry sorry elk late season elk you're just not exciting to me
0: yeah which you know that's the only kind i've done uh but i you know what i'm responding what i was responding to with that hunt too is like the it was like physically hard for me and like the the location and like hunting in deep snow which is something i don't do here and uh what it did was it kind of wet my appetite to see what's going on in september right
1: now you're experiencing my that's my waterfowl yeah like you're happy to be there you're happy to experience a new thing a different thing from where you live it's just it's just that's what it is you know it's i I just describe it as passive i hope that's not misleading but it's passive because you're just not really in control yeah somebody else has to show you
0: sure sure uh which is i mean which is cool man like everyone's got to learn yeah. Right. And yeah. Some stuff will some stuff will resonate with you, and you'll want to go down the rabbit hole. And some stuff won't.
1: Man, this this year, I have the culinary side of ducks and geese has been the revelation for me this
0: year. I mean, lots of potential. You know, you're talking about potential, dude. Like, you can do a lot of stuff with a I know. fat bird, man.
1: So I I I have certainly always plucked birds. I've cooked plenty of mallards, plenty of geese, Canada geese. Over the years. But this year, even being here with you and learning kind of the, like you were saying earlier, kind of the things that that put more chapters in the book for you, mm-hmm. like the things that add to the story, uh, the heart, the gizzard, neck, every all of it, feet. Yeah. You know, they become part. They just expand your playbook of things that you can do with this creature.
0: Dude, because, they take,
1: you know, you, you look at it and
0: the fact that it, you know, best case scenario, you you got some good fat on there, right? Like, right. kind of, they don't taste like pork, but it's the same kind of thing. Like the fat on it tastes really good, right? And so they take uh, smoke really well. They they respond really well to either like a wet brine or like a dry cure, and then the addition of smoke. Uh, you know, like it's it's beautiful, just cooked very very simply, is like a pan seared steak preparation uh yeah yeah dude there's i mean the you know i've had dude this is like one of my favorite things about having a duck camp going on is having a huge stock pot and just putting carcasses in there and feet in there and cook it for a day and then pull those bones out and throw more carcasses on there and add a little more water and you just keep reducing and reducing and Uh. distilling and distilling and then that's you know, I'm using that all year long. You know, if I'm making, we, we ate some gumbo, I'm using it for gumbo, or maybe I'll cook rice in it, or I'll reduce it all the way till it's just that jello. And yeah. you can toss it in a pan sauce or fortify a soup or a stew with it. And yeah, it's, I mean, look, a popper is good. I like a popper. But, yeah. I mean, you could, I mean, you, you, know, you can go get an old pack of expired, uh, durex condoms and wrap them in bacon and cream cheese and jalapeno and it would taste good
1: <laughs> that's right <laughs> shout out to durex hey that's know. right man sponsoring uh, this
0: podcast I'm, yeah, a, I'm not opposed to it
1: sponsored by no i i think um i wonder i was thinking about this when we were hunting in idaho a couple of weeks ago turkeys have their wild turkeys and turkeys in the popular sense you know, farm turkeys Mm -hmm. in the sense that, you know, in the culinary sense. But turkeys have a place in in our popular culture. Sure. A a, a real, and I think elk do too, you know, they have their place in popular culture. I mean, and, but ducks have have not, especially in popular food culture, like, staked their ground. Not Hmm. a lot of people eat ducks that aren't duck hunters.
0: Dude. It's cause you're leaning your head back on that. Oh, that's sorry. I thought man. Made a good point. <laughs> <It> kept,
1: <laughs>
0: no, I just kept hitting this and rattling around, and I don't even know if that comes through on the it might. recording. Uh Dizzle, man, you gotta fix it, buddy. That's the that's my editor. Uh, I like his
1: name, Dizzle. His name, his
0: name, his name's Brian Sachs, but we've been friends since we were like fifteen. Put an 15. R in there. It's Drizzle. dude. He's got that drip, man. Rizzle. Dizzle, you know what it was, man? I don't know why, but we started calling him Sax Dizzle. <laughs> now I still call him Dizzle. We're like <coughs> yeah, We call my old. we call
1: my dad Sax, man. He's 69 years old. We call him Sax. Really why? Cuz somebody once one of our friends once called him Daddy Fat Sax, and we just over the like over the years we just shortened it Sax and kept it.
0: That's pretty sweet. That's cool. Uh yeah, man. Look, dude, a a duck is a to me, man, a duck is a special thing all the way through, and I love the satisfaction of taking the little bit of extra time it takes to, you know, get them plucked and 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 really looking good. You know, like just figuring out where you can, where it's best to use your fingers, when you can put them on the plucking machine, when you gotta yeah. hit it with a little flame to scorch some stuff. When Uh, you
1: get that right, like that teal we're talking about, it's so visually, it's It's so damn satisfying.
0: And here's the thing, man, is like they're they're, they all come out so different. Like all those birds we were cleaning, man, like I did the exact same process to all of them, and some of them just were more thin skinned. Yeah. And they want they just want to abrade a little bit when you're when you put any friction on them, you know, and it's it used to really. Bother me because I just wanted perfect-looking birds all the time. It's like, dude, you, you can't get it. And and truthfully, dude, I almost never. I would I would actually hazard to say I never cook whole ducks.
1: So you never, never like a roasted duck. Never, man. I mean, based on what you've done this when I've been here last couple of days, why would you?
0: It's a dude. It's it's an inferior product. The breast meat cooks. In a different way and at a different pe- Amen. pace. Amen.
1: Amen. Jesse Griffiths, if you're listening to this, me and him, well, I don't know if he wants to be lumped into this, but I have a campaign against plucking whole turkeys. Oh, really? How could you I, – I get so upset about this, and it's probably the same way with ducks. The meat on the breast needs such a different treatment than mm-hmm. the meat on the legs and the thighs. Cooking it all at the same time is nearly impossible, if not inefficient – because you have to you know the if you if you cook it at 150 degrees or 200 degrees the breast will take a certain amount of time and the legs will take 10 times that amount. Yeah. So it's it's I've seen a lot of people plucking wild turkeys. It looks beautiful, right? Mm-hmm. Much like the duck looks beautiful. But it's 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 nowhere. It's just inefficient and it doesn't add anything from a culinary standpoint, I don't believe.
0: Okay. So I completely disagree with you. And I've talked to Jesse about this. So, I, I'm, I pluck my oh, turkey. All the turkeys? I oh, pluck, this is going to be good. Yeah. I pluck turkeys all the way. And so, here's why. Same reason I pluck a duck all the way. Uh, so, you're absolutely right. I, I don't cook a wild turkey. I, man, I do I do it like I do a duck, right? Like the legs and thighs are for braising, slow applications mm-hmm. with moisture. Uh, the breasts... I mean, I do sear a little bit of turkey breast, and I've done, like, some Are you keeping the skin
1: on your turkey breast?
0: Skin. So, it depends. If I'm going, a lot of times if I'm going to fry turkey breast, I will keep the skin on. Yep. If not, like, if I'm going to do, like, more of a nugget application or or something like that, uh, even with that, I'll, I'll still keep the skin on but it's worth pluck one a turkey's not a hard bird to pluck i think a turkey's easier to pluck than waterfowl uh, cuz they don't have all that downy feathers mm-hmm. but i still want uh i still want uh, the addition of the uh like the fat and collagen content from the skin so you got a, you got a couple options if you if you don't want to cook your turkey with any skin on i still want the bird plucks because i want all that skin either going into a stock pot or uh you know okay so check this out right you make some sort of a say you want to make a a gumbo with your turkey legs yeah all right uh you know it's an amazing garnish for that it's just like crispy fried turkey skin yeah. just like broken up like on little pieces right uh so i'm i'm a huge proponent of plucking the whole bird i save the heart the liver yep. the gizzards uh now feet like i save spurs so like i'm, I'm not really saving or putting the feet in a pot that much but everything else i do very similar to a duck and and I'll tell you something else, man. A turkey has so much skin. It's a great application for, like, chicharrones. Uh, and so, yeah, I I think you should pluck turkeys. And you can still cook it like a skinned bird, but you just have we, the.
1: I think we have, yeah, I think we have an agreement here. The yeah. bridge has been built. Because I, I 100% agree with that. I just don't – people that pluck them and present them like – Thanksgiving turkey? Oh no, I would never do that. That's ridiculous. I, w- I would never do that. Yeah, yeah, but but all the things you said, absolutely, absolutely. I think I generally don't pluck them because I don't see the idea of of having them whole. But I like what you're saying. Like yeah, that what you're saying is a, is a great reason.
0: Or so do it. So I, I I braised down a bunch of uh, it was like a, a drumstick and two turkey thighs the other day uh, for tamales, and the skin added something to that braising liquid which then gets pulled out to uh, to add moisture so you know you pull some of that braising liquid out mm-hmm. to uh you know you put that in the blender with your rehydrated uh guajillo peppers and all that other stuff right so then you're getting that layer uh, in it as well and then when you shred all that up you you have these little bits of like moist maker Little bits of skin and fat that are all mixed in with that meat, so then you like bite into it, and it it gives it just a little bit more, uh, you know, that kind of umptuous mouthfeel, yeah. right? Oh, yeah, uh, so yeah, I'm
1: I would I'm, defer I'm, to you on the I'm, culinary pl- sure. I'm plucking for
0: birds sure. till the day I die, and I feel guilty too, like if I don't, I feel like I'm not.
1: This is spoke, you're spoken respect. like a true waterfowler. Yeah, of your ilk, though, of somebody who respects the entire process in culinary. Yeah, the culinary benefits of something like this. it's, it's fun, absolutely dude. man. And I,
0: I love, I love looking at a plucked bird. Like it is incredibly A plucked wild turkey
1: with the wings still on and everything plucked perfectly is incredibly satisfying. And same thing with a pheasant. Same thing with a grouse. Same thing with a duck. Mm. All of them the same. I think in terms of you feel like that's the proper presentation for something like that.
0: Yeah. Even if then, I mean, I will pluck that whole bird. I will admire it
1: and then I will break it down. Yeah. They break it down. Uh, I feel like, you know, if you're in a hurry, maybe one time you just, you know, pop those thighs and legs off, pop the breast off.
0: I skinned one. I killed six turkeys last year and I skinned one of them because I got that thing. When that thing died, it, went into this poison oak patch like oh. gnarly poison oak patch <laughs> and
1: i was like dude i'm just skinning this joker. yeah man no I, I i definitely the things that you've said this last couple of days and even just plucking out here in the back today i have a new reverence for plucking you've given me like a, a bit of a deeper perspective on on the why you know on a real why not just because other people do it or because i feel like i have to but the, the utility of it Well, and dude, I think,
0: man, I almost kind of think of it as like a little prayer, you know, it's like, it's a moment for meditation and you're thinking and you're focusing on these tiny little things and you're seeing how something is put together. Like you're seeing that bird without the veneer. Like you know when we were plucking it all the way up to the head and you could see that whole scanning and you realize it's it's such a frail delicate thing. I know. But it uh, feels
1: if it it this would be a fun thing to articulate, but it it does feel I don't know, it feels ancestral in a way. Yeah. If, if there's a lot of people like it, it it just feels as though this is something that your grandmother did. Yeah. Or this is something that your grandmother's grandmother did. Sat on the porch and plucked ducks and put the feathers in the bag, mm-hmm. or sat on the porch and plucked chickens. And, you know that it just feels like something that has that historical weight to it. You
0: know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think you're right. I think there is a there, there is a, a bit of a connection to that continuum, right?
1: There's certainly no real. You wouldn't feel uh, any way romantic about just like popping the breasts out.
0: No, I mean, and look. A, even still, occasionally, I've rested a few birds in the last few years. And, and every time I did it, it was a deal where, you know, I, I age my birds in, in the fridge. Like, I am not, I don't clean birds the first day. Uh, I, I just, they clean better. The, the pr- mm. the, they kind of absorb that moisture. Just everything's better about it. And, man, I've gone 14 days with birds in the fridge. And I, like, you got a storm on their back. Uh you want to make sure you're not dealing with, like, gut shot birds, all that stuff. But I've gotten in situations where I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to lose this bird. Or Ugh. I thought it I thought it wasn't gut shot, and I aged it for nine days, and it ended up just like, you know, like it's the bottom. There's a little bit of a greenish hue <laughs> <laughs> happening here. But if you put them on their backs, all that funk, that's like a, a – it's a protection measure, right, because all that funk will – Settle at the bottom. So worst case, like my worst case scenario for a duck, is completely legal and like not not messing with wanton waste at all. And I mean, I feel a little twinge if if I get to the point, you know, I got to breast out three birds or something during the year, but you know, I I, it's something I can live with as long as I'm, as long as the other ones I I put the time into.
1: Yeah, and it feels a lot of times when you're. When you hunt big game, you gotta get messy. Yeah. You're gonna gut 'em, even if you don't gut 'em, even in like most of the folks where I live in the West. We'll use the gutless method. You gotta pack 'em, you gotta haul 'em around. And then you gotta bring the meat home. Uh you gotta butcher that thing if you're doing it yourself. Obviously it's even more um it's it's a messy endeavor. And I like that about it. I like the gritty, bloody mm. nature of it. And a lot of times, with waterfowl and you know with with upland birds and things like that, you don't really get the, you know that full experience. You can gut them with you know one swipe, you know a couple of fingers and boom, you're done. But when you're plucking them, it, it you get in there, man. It's it's we're using a we're out there using a blowtorch,
0: yeah,
1: or a propane torch. We're using a a, a, a pool to start gas power plucker. Like yeah, there's yeah. feathers everywhere. There's we're all in your beard. and things. Stuff. It's in your beard. Like that. That to me, that that visceral experience. That kind of gritty nature. It feels like work. And when you work on a food, it and tastes better at the yeah. end of the day. I
0: yeah. mean, dude, my hands. I realized this is today I was like feeling my fingers. My fingers. One, two, three, five of my fingers have nicks on the pads. My plucking fingers feel like sandpaper. You know, like, I feel like I earned it. Yeah. That's kind of like a little bit of a badge. You come in here, like, covered
1: in blood, and you got – your pants are wet, and you got feathers in your beard, and you take your hat off, and there's somehow got feathers – I somehow got feathers underneath my hat in my hair. Oh, yeah,
0: for sure, dude. Yeah, it's dope. It's really cool.
1: Yeah. If if this is where I live, my wife would would kick me out and make me sleep outside tonight for all the – Feathers oh, the feathers here. in the backyard, but, but in the bunkhouse here, yeah, like it's it's in the bungalow, it's accepted, if not promoted, for there to be feathers floating around.
0: Well, dude, I'll give old Mary Ann, my wife, a shout out. Uh, I do that in the backyard of my house too, man. <laughs> like, like she's I'll go, cool. I'll go to the far corner of the yard, and yeah, it'll look just like that. That's cool, man.
1: Yeah, my wife actually is. Our garage is sometimes. I still have to go home and clean my butchering area from. A month ago probably
0: well i mean that's i mean that's that's part of the the holistic nature of like who they're partnered with right? that's true enough. like what you you told me what your wife told you when you're like because i texted you on like wednesday and then you were yeah. here on friday and she said just bring <laughs> back a bunch of meat
1: she said bring back some meat and she knows and she knows that this is this is my this is what i do number one sure but it's just kind of like my medicine man just traveling around, seeing shit, being active. So she knows that. But yeah, she she just she's like, Bring back some meat. I'll take care of the rest. Bet, man, will uh I was like, Yes.
0: Yeah, dude, hey, have her do some of them spec steaks, man. <laughs> I'm great. gonna show
1: her the video of the spec steak and eggs. Oh, that was tasty, man. Yeah, and I'm gonna show her some gumbo and we're gonna get down. And it's you know, this time of year too, I live in Montana, as I said, and it's cold, man. Mm. I can't go do a lot of the things I like to do. So it's it's a good time to to do what you've been doing here, you know. Have a have a stock pot going, to be working on a brine or to be making pastrami or to be just like just be doing things in the kitchen that require uh more than a, a singular investment, that require days or, or it's it's just it's a time for that. It's like it yeah. becomes a place to gather.
0: Like I everybody. man, I I I love I love a cold day and having that warm brothy based thing. Like it, it, it warms you up in a different way yeah, than, man. than yep. you know, eating fried chicken or something, man. which is like, I like fried chicken too, but yeah, man, there's Good enough. Yeah. It, it gets you all the way from like the pit of your stomach. All it warms you all the way up. And yeah. it, 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 cause it's warming you on your way down. And then it's like yeah settling there and it's just kind of bringing up the, yeah. the core temp, dude. It's a, it's it's some, in the
1: summertime, I like like a pasta salad.
0: Sure, With like yeah, yeah.
1: Salad dressing or whatever you're gonna do. That's it's like it tastes. You know, it's it's fresh. It's cool. It's like
0: it's and that's dude. That's great to do. Yeah, something like that. Just like it's hot, a fresh salad and a yeah. a, a, a grilled big fat grilled uh speck breast. Oh, you know, dude. like medium rare. And I mean, we'll do them like steak salads or whatever. Yeah, it's great.
1: My, You know, one of the things I was telling you. Uh, earlier today is my dad you know obviously um, is a generation prior to mine his dad wasn't a hunter he came to hunting in his own way and he really loves and has expressed to me quite a bit that he loves that my generation our our collective generation mm-hmm. has taken to the food the culinary aspects the butchering you know kind of just the proximity to you know, the culinary aspects from start to finish, from soup to nuts. You know, he's always said, Man, I'm so glad that you appreciate that because we never did. You know, we just fried the back straps or popped the breasts out. Uh, and how, you know, you can't blame him because he, he didn't have anybody to show him yeah, or to, to tell him this was possible. And now it gets to all come full circle. I get to share with him. When he kills a deer, I was telling you he he'll call me when he's butchering it, and he'll ask me like, "What do I do with this cut? What's this cut? It's shaped this way. What's that football shape one at the end of the near the top of the leg there, the hind quarter?"
0: Yeah. What can I what can, what can I do, I with, do that? with that? Yeah.
1: What do I do with that silver? Should I leave that on there? Or I take it off. And it's it's like knowing the context of knowing that he has an appreciation for that exchange makes it even better for me. And when I got to, I get to share that with him. We don't live near each other, but when he comes to visit, which is often, we share squirrel. We're going to go squirrel hunting in a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. and we'll skin squirrels together, and we'll make slippery squirrel pot pie, pie, and we'll like, and and he'll I'll appreciate that I'm able to to do some of those things with him, and and give him that perspective and bring it back for him.
0: Uh, I just I was thinking when you were talking about this, I I need to make a correction. So, no, still not. I'm still not going to cook a whole duck usually, but have you ever had like this is kind of a southern staple? You ever had duck and dressing? No. So that's great, man. We've done that for Thanksgiving. Uh And so on that, I cook the breast and the and the leg and the thigh together. Usually for that what I like to do is I take a pair of shears and I split them down the breast and have them cuz you can get it down into that,
1: you're not spatchcocking though. You're cutting it no,
0: in half. I'm, no, because I like I want, yeah, I want it. Uh, I just want it in half, and then put it bone side down in that dressing and bake it in that dressing. And it, <sighs> it's kind, it's almost like a, it's like a semi moist. Boy, that uh,
1: good.
0: Application, and you get, and and even in, in something like that, if you do end up with a little bit of textural difference between you know like the bottom half and the breast meat uh it it all works together too because you get those like drippings and that that uh cornbread and all those savory elements that you're like you're imparting moisture into it in a different way and and that's really great uh now i'm just thinking of all these ways you can also (laughs) you can fillet you ever fillet the breast off with the leg and the thigh attached yep so if you do that so you, you got to do the tendon pull method you know where you get your fingers in there when you're popping off the feet and you pull the tendons out and then fillet it with that leg and thigh on there and then go in there with the tip of your knife and debone the leg and the thigh Ooh. and if you do that salt it generously uh i would i would say salt it like the day before do like a dry brine in the fridge and then, have you ever had like brick chicken? Yeah, I've had that. Do that like brick chicken. Whoa! It's a short. It's a short cook, but do that with like brick chicken, but start it in a cold pan, and you will still end up with the leg and the thigh, uh, I don't know, a little more toothsome, al dente, maybe if you could call it that, mm-hmm. than the breast, but it it uh it shortens the disconnect and texture yeah. and uh the rest of it is so good that it, it makes up for it
1: yeah and I, I don't just thinking about as you explain that i don't wild turkey legs are just tougher than duck legs Dude, a
0: wild turkey leg is a a tough thing like you have to you have to cook it for a long time for it to give up the ghost yes yeah. and those tendons are
1: they're like in the, the. You have to like use a. The only way to get them out of the meat out of there is use a fork to get in between. You know, dude,
0: those things are the tendons, those big thick ones. Impressive they are. They don't break down when when you break yeah. it. You know, they stay. It's like they're petrified or something. <laughs> yeah.
1: Turkey's doing a lot less flying than a duck. I, I think. Yeah, but man, they're
0: they're impressive flies. You wouldn't think they could get up there like they do. That's true.
1: But yeah, that I think about that a lot on just next level because being around, I was around Sean Weaver, um, a mutual friend of ours, uh, who's a a duck fanatic, and he was he was uh, the entire weekend. I was either watching what he was doing or getting little culinary tri- tips mm-hmm. and tricks from him, or just little ways he plucks and. You know, I mean, I've you know in the last I've got a master class in the last month on on the culinary part of waterfowl hunting i feel like the whole thing really but i've done a, plenty of plenty of duck hunting in my life but for whatever reason this year the culinary part is just all that more compelling
0: uh dude it's great man make sure that i d- make sure i don't let you leave without some of that uh, speckle specklebelly bacon dude cuz that's that stuff's awesome dude
1: i can uh it'd give me a reason to come back if we forget but man, i can come back for that that
0: stuff's so that stuff is so good, and 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 dude, like it's it's a little bit of a flex, right? It's really easy to do, but you put that on a plate in front of somebody, uh, you know? Well, we like, had what do we have? Like bear hearts
1: something. in our gumbo.
0: Yeah, so I made like I like basically did like a a bacon cure on a, a bear heart and smoked it.
1: That's good shit. That's a flex.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it, I'm doing it because I I'm in the into best it way though, but I do. You know, I like it. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't I was saving that for someone that would appreciate it. You know what I mean? Yeah,
1: and, and you are and then like by doing that, depending on who you cook that for, you become like a, a bit of an ambassador for what you were saying earlier, which is like, check this out. What's that? Oh, that's a bear heart. Yeah, yeah. You don't eat organs? Oh no. Well check that out. You don't eat this, you don't do this, you don't take the gizzards, you don't do, you don't do giblets. Check this out. I've seen that throughout my hunting career. Like to go back to the story I'm telling about my dad. Like it's just you become an ambassador for a better way to do it. And I think it's I I think it's fail safe. I, I don't think I think you showing someone that and them truly appreciating it and, and following you down that path to more holistic cooking, they're going to see the benefits every time. I don't think it would fail.
0: Uh, man, usually people are, are into it. Like everybody's not going to go. Most people aren't going to go as deep. Uh, even if they,
1: even if they go a little bit deeper than they already are.
0: Yeah. That's all I'm trying to get them to do. If all I ever do is get people to save the legs and thighs off of their, their ducks, I'm good, dude. Like I really, I mean, most people ain't going to, ain't going to cook stock for days and days and days and save every bone off everything they kill. And you know, like. Save enough of the fat out of the butts of specks to make rue Like most people aren't going to do that, and I I totally get that. But man, how long does it take to on a mallard to just go ahead and pluck that leg and thigh? And then yeah,
1: you're telling people save the butt fat, man. You should do a yeah. hashtag butt fat. Hashtag save the butt fat, man. Save that butt fat. <laughs> what
0: is Come it on. the is Brazilian butt lifts everyone's doing, man? I <laughs> get that butt fat. The BBL, then that speckle belly Got BBL. Got that blackjack
1: revival T-shirt. Hashtag. Butt-phobia, butt fat. Save man. that butt fat.
0: Dude, look. They might run me out of Brinkley if I take a place that used to be a church and just start <laughs> talking my butts too much.
1: <laughs> yeah, you got a pretty good place here. I wouldn't want to. One-run or lead down the Yeah, that
0: small town stuff, dude. That ain't no joke, man. Uh, man. I'm going to do just a, a hard, awkward segue if, if I could. Uh, Please. Because... You know, dude, this weekend has been it it's like what I want my it's what I want my my hunting weekends to be like, you know? Like and I told you, I built this, you know, I built Black Duck you know, initially to be a personal duck camp and then never had, I've never really been able to use it as that cuz like as yeah. soon as I did it people got interested in what I was doing and, and, and it and I was always like hosting or like trying to tell my story or like you know i'm responsible for someone's experience and this was the first maybe not the i can't remember but this this felt like man it was like chill and i didn't have to go far to hunt like we're hunting six minutes away from here and there was plenty and because of that there's like plenty of time to to like hang out and have these long winding heady conversations (laughs) you know uh
1: yeah a couple of podcasters we got that we got that done oh
0: dude man yeah it's uh and and truthfully like that's it's great in that contained uh that contained space of like a, a hunting weekend right like yeah You can't talk, you can't have these conversations all day long, every day, like for weeks and weeks, man, you drive yourself crazy, but (laughs) especially, especially, I mean, we had met before, but we never really hung out, like to have like a, kind of a good, long, hard introductory hang, right? Yeah, man. Uh, Dude, it's, it's great for that, man, and, uh, and yet, I mean, to go back to the beginning of the conversation, that, uh. That, like, camaraderie, you know, it's a, it gets overused, but that camaraderie, just like that community. I love it. Uh, I it's love super it. dope, dude. And, man, I've been learning. I really have. I've been learning a ton from you this weekend because, I mean, what it, what are you, like 15 years in the, the hunting industry, something like that?
1: Something like that, yeah, 14 or 15. Yeah.
0: I mean, and you've worked for, like, I mean, like, really, dude, like, you've worked for, like, the bigs, right? Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. i mean mean, dude think about like nra yeti meat eater uh you know working all the way up to now you're now you're developing you know what it seems like to me is you're taking all that stuff that you've learned throughout like your adult life and working and making these connections and you've you've like formed and created your own entity uh yeah man just the, the conversations have been super illuminating for me uh which is also so helpful bec- because I'm absolutely a uh, I'm like an I don't know an awkward or like somewhat reluctant part I mean it's even hard and weird for me to say that like I'm I'm in the hunting industry I mean to some <laughs> degree I You're guess I am You're in it
1: man. We're not letting you out either.
0: But <clears throat> Yeah, man. There's just and and because I'm so far removed, yeah, from like the, you know, the L.A. of hunting Bozeman.
1: <laughs> I'm just like I was out here, just like come visit me in Hollywood, <laughs> bitch. I'm out like there
0: backwoods in Arkansas. Yeah, there, There's just all this stuff I don't know, and it's uh, it's really interesting to hear somebody who's, uh, I mean, you know, you you, you kind of got into it in this very uh standard way and, and you've yeah. been witness to this r- hunting renaissance and uh and a big participant and driver of it too, right?
1: Uh it does feel that way, man. It does feel that way. It's good that you, like, I just feel that I'm at a place in my life and I think maybe this you could say this about yourself too where where I'm I think this is a partially a sign of our times. Where people are feeling more free to go and do things outside of outside of most structures, let alone a corporate structure, you know like there used to be a way when I got into to doing what I do, there was just a way to do it like you get a job, you work your way up, you're a associate editor, and guess what if you do a good enough job at that, guess what you get to be assistant editor, and then guess what you get to be managing editor. And then you get to be. Then they made made a bunch of weird stuff up above that, like senior executive. But you know what? You really wanted to be editor in chief, because then you have the experience, the status, the power to to not only to to drive creative work, but to kind of be a figurehead for something. You know, mm. to be the face of something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get your own little page right in front of the magazine, man. And when I got in to to media. Twitter was just happening. I remember I went to a conference, I think in D.C. with our college class, and they started talking. There was like a booth about Twitter, and we were laughing at the name, like that's never gonna. I remember my professor was like, "That's never gonna take off." Twitter,
0: yeah, fam- famous last words, huh? Yeah,
1: Twitter, MySpace. So I do, I do feel as though I'm not an old per. I'm like I'm not an old head. I don't. I'm a 37, but I got into 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 hunting and hunting media when i was 22 i just turned 22 so fresh fresh into my 20s and i've really grown up in this yeah you know and a lot in in a lot of ways a lot of ways so it's it's um it's nice to be at a place where i can and graduate from those experiences as amazing as they were and as fulfilling as they were and then cut my own path you know this feels good. It feels, it feels. Man, you know what it's is, is making me think
0: about is, uh, do you know who Brene Brown is? Oh, no, I don't Brene Brown is like this, uh, I don't know what you would call it. I mean, I guess like kind of a philosopher, like, uh, you know, popular culture. I, I don't know, kind of, you know, like kind of a little bit on the, Oprah tip a little bit, maybe that's a, the wrong description, but uh, actually very interesting and nuanced lady, and yeah. and has really cool stuff to say. Uh, but I remember listening to her, and she was talking about the idea of power, mm. and you know, and that's kind of what you're referencing with like getting to that yeah. editor in chief, right, and having that page up front. And she talks about like the the inclination to claw your way to the top of something or the the perceived top of something
1: the hierarchy
0: yeah and then keep your foot on the neck of everybody else to keep them from getting there uh and you know there's lots of stuff in society right now this is what's really motivating it is it's an idea that power is finite there's a certain amount of power in the world and it it has to when it's uh when it's gained, it can't be relinquished, and it has to be uh, compiled and cumulative and mm-hmm. uh, ever growing. And man, when you change your perspective and realize that that idea of power—and you know, I don't mean domination, but I—I I, I mean this more in a sense of like empowerment, yeah—the uh, ability to recognize your your own ability or your own power like when you realize that power is infinite right like yeah there's a finite amount of power in whatever established structure there is and the way to the way to uh, make power infinite is to create another structure that's right you know
1: yeah i i've learned from a lot of people smarter than me about that exact subject and I think also it's a product of where our society is right now. I, after COVID, people started working from home. People started living where they wanted to live. Mm-hmm. Uh, it became more accepted to do things like that. Um, the gig economy started to be, you know, more established as a way to work. They used to call it freelance, but just call it a gig economy. Whatever you want to say. So there was there is some of that in there. Like it's just more accepted to do, but I also do, I do think that I felt, I feel and have felt empowered doing it on my own. You know, we were saying earlier, like when I, when I get a premium subscriber, when I get a win in the content space, or when I just do a really good podcast, I'm proud of it. I'm really proud of it. It's mine, man. Mm. And it, I don't have to do it alone. I can choose who I who I spend my time with, and we can create our own version of whatever that hierarchy needs to look like for us to be successful. And I I, I would even say that I wouldn't even create a hierarchy, more of a community of people that care about the same thing. Um, and hunting as as hunting is such like you said, it's such a communal thing. But it also is, I think, people that really care about it and and that think about conservation think about hunting and they have this ownership of it the thing the community all the people that do it you feel like it's part of your identity Hmm. and you want to do better for it right um so i feel that intensely and so i'm able to do more with the people i respect the people i want to spend time around create more things on my own um and also, you know, every struggle is is amplified. Every success is amplified. I, you know, not to sit here and bang on all the wonderful experiences I had at the at the companies you mentioned that I worked at. They're all great, but each of them took a little bit of my identity. When I was at Yeti, dude, I was the Yeti guy. Yeah. When yeah, I walked yeah. into a room, they're like, "There's the Yeti guy." Huh? When I worked at Meat there's they were like, "There's Ben O'Brien. He's a Meteor guy." You know. So they take a little bit of your identity to professional sense, you know. So it's been nice to be able to craft my own version of that. Yeah, so it's
0: Uh man, it's uh I I think that's a I think that's a personality trait. Like uh and and I think it's a personality trait that can develop, right? Yeah. Like once once you're ready for it, which is that you know, it for me for me to be satiated as a person, I gotta have I've gotta have that uh I've gotta have my wins be mine. Yeah. And and I don't mean just specifically mine, you know, like I've I've got my unit, you know, like my wins are Marianne's wins, you know, like that's right. I write articles, Mary Ann does the photography, like we do a lot of stuff in tandem like that. Uh, and, and I feel good about that. Like, I feel like that's my unit winning, but you know, it's, it's, it's just like completing any hard thing at that moment. You know, what, uh, what's, what's kind of scary about it is you realize there's no end to it. (laughs) You know, like you, you have to keep, you have to keep growing and, uh, and, and finding contentment and achievement. And all these different things. And then reckoning. Like when we were sitting there before we were eating the gumbo and you were talking about like some stuff that people you were interacting with that, you know, they were doing and like falling short of your expectations. And I'm just going like,
1: oh, my God, dude. Like I'm doing these things, dude. I'm doing these things. He's talking to me, but he doesn't oh. even know it. But, yeah. man, it's like. Yeah.
0: But, you know, like there's actually. uh There's pride in. There's a small initial bit of pride in, in being able to recognize that and take some ownership of it yeah. and then actually doing something about it and correcting a yeah. shortcoming and then, you know, later on be like, man, I remember when I used to be like that, but now I'm like this. Yeah, you
1: ever, anybody ever said to you, I have a lot to prove? Yeah. Like, as a fun statement to say, I got a lot to prove. Well. You know when you when you have kind of the comfort of a, a salary and a corporate job and and a lot of your worth within the within the community much of my worth within the community at least when I was a yeti guy was was my connection to yeti right mm-hmm. I'm a portal to and that's what I signed up for, so I was not a bad thing, but now I'm out here like I have to prove it to 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 everyone I've ever met prove it to myself every every smart idea i had that my boss didn't want to do now i can just do that idea and i got to prove that i can make it work yeah i got to prove that that i'm worthy of this risk and that's like and my my unit my family i got to prove to them that i can do it and just that simple act of proving yourself and like if you have any inkling for of imposter syndrome or if you wake up in the morning and you're just not sure you have the right direction the thing i'm doing right now and i'm i'm kind of in the early days of is is so filled with moments of proving it that it just every day feels like a, an exercise in in reality you know an exercise in struggle and conflict and resolution and building and i've realized that sometimes i uh, get frustrated with struggle but struggle and building are are one and the same mm, mm. there's no difference between the two things because when you're building something you have to go and you got to struggle you got to it's a process and to get frustrated at that process is to get frustrated at building and that's what you're doing no matter what you're building black tech revival right now
0: yeah sure having that convo yeah, yeah. part of
1: it so, to me, I don't know. I, I've learned a lot about that. I've learned, and it's only—I'm not an expert in it because I've only been been out on my own for a, a short bit of time. But a lot of things that I thought I needed, I'm getting. Yeah, uh... and I—I'll clarify that by saying, like, in the corporate world, I—I—I I, I, I always needed more autonomy and more control, and I think corporations, the best ones. Are the ones that can trick you for the longest into thinking you have control and autonomy. That's what smart people want—that control. They intelligent people, well-meaning people want control and autonomy. You seek it; it's part of what you need. A good corporation gives you a role within the hierarchy, gives you kind of a structure, but then lets you go and and, and lets you think you have some autonomy and some control, which in reality you have very little of. When it comes down to it,
0: yeah, it's why like if you if you work construction or, uh, like everyone's always complaining, like man, you can't you can't get anyone good to work for if you. If whenever you do, man, then then you lose them. Uh, they go out on their own, and it's like, yeah, man, because everyone worth a shit <laughs> wants to do it, wants to do it for. Uh, that's a, that's not the right way to say that. Uh, when folks. I think a lot of people when they realize that they can be the person that can be counted on to do it. It's not it's not even as much about man, I could be making all the money. It's that I'm running a business. Why am I running a business for somebody else? I might as I should I should be doing this for myself.
1: Yeah. And like I said, it's a product that when I when I got to see, you know, I've I've listened to your podcast and I've kind of like watched over the years that you, what you've been building. And I, I probably didn't, I probably came to know about it years after it was in your head and, and months and years after you started actually mm. putting these things together. Sure. You know, I came to it late, you know, I came to it after you had already kind of put in a lot of the work and, and people were learning about what you had already built. Right. Or, or like the, the actual brand, the structure, the thing that you're doing, you know, and, and, now that I get here and I see it, I'm like, yeah, man, this is everything I wanted it to be. It's that very sweet. Dude. It's it's very intentional, man. It's, it's it has like when you were just talking earlier, I'm thinking this is if you were going to show somebody your version of duck hunting, you've done that for me. Like we're plucking ducks with a giant with a machine <laughs> that you pull. Like we're drinking beer we're, we've got a mixed bag of ducks, but they're all being treated with the same reverence. Mm -hmm. There's not one duck or goose that you're like, yeah, this was not very good. We just kind of put that over here. We're just, all of them get the exact same treatment and they're showing the reverence that they desire. And then on the stove is a roux and a freaking stockpot and some gumbo. And, and you got the people around you, the community, like all that, man, that's an expression of you. Like, like a a very succinct and clear expression of your version of duck hunting.
0: Oh, well, and it's constantly developing too, dude. Like that stockpot thing, uh, I just like you know that's something I would do after people left. And then this year, I was like, dude, I'm just gonna keep a stockpot going all the time, man. Because it, one, you like come inside, you smell it. Right, but it communicates something to people. Like, it's this is ongoing. This is this is a this is not just a uh, I really I really am not into people calling uh, and I feel like they do it a lot more with duck hunting, but they call it a sport. Right. And like, I don't it's not a sport to me. It's a Hank Shaw referred to it as a pursuit. That's
1: exactly what I do. I like that. I love that. I love that you got that from him. That's awesome. Uh, and and it's uh, you're
0: trying to show, like, look, both of us are talkers, right? Like we yeah. can, I mean, that's what we do. we sit around <laughs> and we and we're egotistical enough to think that people want to listen to us. Yeah. But man, there's a time and a place to talk, and there's a there's uh, something being demonstrative in an understated way can be very very powerful uh and so i mean it would be disingenuous for me to say like oh i just happen to have this stockpile. like i made the decision this year that i was like dude when people come up here and we hunt dude there's gonna be a stockpile on for three days and they're gonna watch me they're gonna watch me like uh do you ever watch that movie the dark crystal oh yeah yeah remember how that Remember, That's Gelfling, so I take your essence. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like, dude, I'm taking the essence <laughs> out of that duck, <laughs> right?
1: <laughs> Hope you, everybody listening, has listened to the, has watched mm, that. Gelfling, <laughs> mm, Gelfling, friend, Gelfling. Dude, oh, though. dude, you're, but you're like, you're just expressing your values to people. That's all, man. Yeah, you're instilling in them that this is important to you, and it has this like familial quality to it, southern. People, the south has a special quality like that to me yeah
0: there's a man there's a flavor to it you know Yeah, i think a lot of times folks they even though i mean look there's a lot of people that are in arkansas because they got no option to leave like i'm in arkansas because i chose to be in arkansas right there's there's all sorts of bad stuff about Arkansas, but there's there's some amazing, soul filling uh, things that I've been able to tap into. While I'm still aware of the things I'm I'm not about, and I and I I don't like or I despise even. Yeah. But there's some stuff I've been able to tap into, uh, and and I when I started realizing that in a culinary sense, like you know, oh, you know, I'll throw some. Uh, you know i like I'll, I'll pull some like classic French methods and stuff and i mm-hmm. and I'll stretch some stuff, you know, like doing force meat sausages and ducks uh duck neck skin and all that. But when I really decided that I was just gonna lean in to the familiar things that made me feel good uh food wise and just you know I'm not reinventing the wheel at all, shit like we talked about. A lot of what people are doing uh, in the culinary sense with wild game is like Hank Shaw derivative. Like he kind of <laughs> yeah. like literally wrote the book on that stuff, right? But and I've cooked with Hank a lot, and uh, even if I'm if I've cooked Hank's recipe, I mean Hank, I've made gumbo with Hank. Like what's going to be produced by Hank is going to be very different than what I'm going to produce, and so I've yeah. just got to lean. I've got to lean into me telling my story. And I think that with food, like, look, obviously talking, obviously writing, but like with food, man, that that is storytelling at yeah. its best. It can just be, you know, fucking Wonder Bread and margarine, or it can be a hundred-year-old sourdough starter that, yeah. you know, my pregnant wife made for me. She like made me a loaf of bread for me to take into the woods when I was bear hunting. You know, and, like, that's yeah. what I was eating. Like, yeah. at the end of the day when I'm, like, huddled up, I'm, like, eating this bread that my wife made.
1: <laughs> well, let me, I'll put it to you another way. I was just on the phone with my kids before we hit record. And I told my boys, they were, my my older son likes to know everything, who mm-hmm. I'm with. He likes to know what we got.
0: I heard you I heard you when we were hunting in the year, like, man, we got a wood duck. We got a speck. He, he'll
1: get... go back. He has a little book. He'll go back and look all them up and read about that's them. That's awesome. And, and, and that's what he likes to do. He likes to know facts about everything, you know. And I said, we got, and he asked me, I was like, we got some speckle-bellied geese, we got a wood duck, we got a a green-winged teal, and we got, you know, I gave him the whole list. And then he goes, well, tell me who you're going to be, who you're with. You know, I saw him with Jonathan Wilkins. And and he said, well, what, like, where does he live? And I said, well, I'll tell you when I get home. How about Mm -hmm. that? Uh, And at first, I was like, it was in a rush to sit down and do this, but and then I, I said, Do you wanna uh when I get home, do you wanna cook some ducks? And he goes, Yeah. Sweet. I said, Ask your brother. And and his little three year old brother in the background, Yeah, <laughs> like, Yeah, dad. And in a way, in a really cool way, I'll be able to tell them your story while we're cooking ducks, man.
0: Yeah, like, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, that shit travels.
0: Dude you know? big time, man. It
1: connects you know, I'll be able to tell them like, Hey, you know, this is where I learned this part or this is why, this is what, why we do this. And they'll remember, man, like they'll, they'll understand that. And, and to me, to go even further into it, like I went to journalism school and one of the things I always felt about myself is I wanted to tell other people's stories because that's, A big part of journalism there's Mm -hmm. other other very very important tenets to it but being able to like being compelled to tell stories about people and so within the hunting space man there's so much connective tissue in the food there's so much connective tissue in the like 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 what we're talking about with the intentional way that you've built this thing you know it provides those touch points for for people to tell your story like they come here, they get a little piece of it, they get the energy, they see your version of duck hunting, then they go back, and they cook it up for somebody.
0: You know? Dude, that's the best part, man, is like sometimes people will send me pictures, uh, stuff they cooked. Man, I got a couple of this last few weeks that were like, hey, man, I was really paying attention to you when I was there, and then they like, show me what they made. Or I had a dude show me that with a turkey, he was like, man, I was watching you break those turkeys down, and he like, got the gizzard and the heart and the liver and all everything laid out. And I was like, dude... One, that's incredibly validating, right? Yeah. But it's also, you're changing the narrative, or you're helping, or contributing in some small way, to changing the narrative for that person and their family, right? Like, like I'm thinking, I'm actually specifically thinking of uh, this dude, Joel, who's like, gotten a hunt in the last couple years, and he came down here last year with Hunters of Color and uh, he, like, finally got his first deer this year, yeah. right? And he was, like, messaging me, man, like, dude, I I want my kids to be into this. You know, like, what 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 can I make for them to make this work? And I was, like, you know, like, what do they like to eat? And he's, you know, just, like, kind of standard American kid stuff. I said, dude, grind that stuff up and make them spaghetti. <laughs> yeah. But tell like but tell them about the hunt when you're doing it, you know, or make lasagna with them. Like, dude, this doesn't – You you don't always have to – blow someone's mind uh because because even just something very simply prepared man like uh, with intention man you're communicating some of yourself or you're communicating like how you feel about that person you know like when i'm cooking food for someone and i'm and i'm giving it to them i want them to feel like i thought they were worth yeah me doing uh, the best I could for him.
1: Yeah. And I got a real, <laughs> I got a real thing about sharing the best cuts of elk with somebody. Yeah. You know? I, they're special, that's special stuff. But yeah, I mean, I think, um, and what you're, what we're talking about is exponential. Cause we were, I was saying that, while we were eating gumbo earlier that this guy, Shane Mahoney, this famous conservation mm-hmm. scientist. It was with
0: this, like, uh, Divine deep voice. He's just
1: an amazing character. If you don't know about Shane Mahoney, please go go uh, look him up and uh, enjoy. He has a thing called the Wild Harvest Initiative, and it was it's it's an initiative to kind of look at the impacts. His is more like societal on a broad scale, economical on a, uh, economics on a broad scale. What's the impacts of wild harvest? You know, what does it do? How much money does it contribute? How much uh, weight so socially does it have? You know to kind of quantify those things in a real way. And they did some preliminary surveys and studies and things. And one of them was just a, a, a survey, a pretty uh, in-depth survey of of a bunch of people. If you harvest something or kill something, do you share it? You know, this is simplifying their exercise, but it was eight out of eight or nine out of 10 people said, yeah, I share it. You know, I share this thing I killed, or this this harvest, and then I tell a story. I sometimes I think I'm annoying when I sit people down, <coughs> and I, I I'm so excited like a little kid to tell them where I got this. You know, you don't yeah. come to my house and eat without me telling you where everything came from on the plate. Uh, but if it came from Costco, I don't say anything.
0: Yeah, well, dude, that's the cost of admission, man. Yeah, uh, and and it's part of you. You're also letting that person know, man. Like this is something that's very important and valuable to me, and you are important enough to to me for me to to share yeah. share this with you.
1: Yeah, we cooked. I cooked a <coughs> a duck up for a mallard up for uh, my mother in law right before Christmas, and I sat her down, lit some candles, and put some wine in front of her, and then cooked up. Seared his duck up and sliced it on top of some mashed cauliflower with some broccolini and did the whole thing. And I think she felt, and then I explained to her where we got it. And I think she felt like a part, a little, a small part of what I do. Mm-hmm. Small part of like the thing that I go off to do that they never experience, that she definitely never experiences. And I thought it was cool, man. She loved it and we laughed and had a good time. And it was like, it was cool to be able to share that with her. Uh, Cause I get I don't get to see her as much as I would like, and it was cool to just kind of let her into my world a little bit. Be like, here's a, you know, here's a token of this thing that I do, you know, share with you a little bit. Yeah,
0: because cause you're because you're I value you like you yeah. you the whole process is you communicating value to somebody. Else, <laughs> yeah. Right? And dude, I don't play that stuff, man. Like initial at the very beginning when I started hunting. Like, no one around me really hunted, right? Yeah. So it was a novelty to people. And I shared, uh, I, like, shared some meat with some folks, man, and, uh, you know, check with them six months later. I'm like, oh, man, what do you think, Then I'm like, oh, man, I haven't cooked it, you know. And, dude, it really. Yeah,
1: but like, I'm coming to get it back.
0: Dude, I, even now, I'll tell somebody, like, look, I will give this to you. If you don't cook this. And if you don't cook it the way I'm telling you to, man, <laughs> you'll never get another piece of it from me. Uh,
1: and let's I like, love that you don't play with that shit because it is. It, I I'm I'm gonna say this, and I'm a, if it if it makes me sound like a bad person, then it is what it is. My wife, uh, oftentimes for church, she'll get a list of people that had a, had a baby or mm-hmm. sick or whatever, and she has. She likes to make them something real nice and and sometimes she'll take like a nice a very precious cut of my elk my deer and cook it up and take it over there and it's two parts why I hate it one I don't know who that person is yeah I don't know them yeah I want to know them Mm. I don't know if they're going to appreciate it they could be they could be vegetarian for all I know like I like I want them to appreciate it I want to see them appreciate it and the other thing is when you're delivering something to someone, you cooked in your kitchen. You got to put it in tin foil, and you got to take it over there. And who knows when they're going to eat it, or if they're going to warm it back up? It's yeah. like, the entire thing is wrong to me. So my wife's like, "You don't want to share your venison with people in need." I'm like, "No, it's not that." But, but there's some rules. Yeah, like, there's some ground rules for it. And I, only people, only someone that hunts and appreciates the food like that would understand that I'm not being difficult.
0: Or oh, man, have- like. Maybe you are a little bit. Maybe I am. That's okay. Deal with it. I uh, Dude, and look, I've got tears. You know, it's not that hard to get some uh, whitetail meat off <laughs> of me. You know, like if you're.
1: You it, should create. This would be like a t shirt you do with like a food pyramid.
0: It, dude, and like, look, I'm in a position where I can. Uh, no, that's not true. Like, man, if I give you some turkey, if I give you a turkey breast, <laughs> dude, you're. Dude, a,
1: if I give you a turkey breast.
0: Like, I think real high level. We better gave, be married. I gave Hal Heron. I gave Hal Heron uh, a turkey breast and then, like, a leg and a thigh, man. Oh. Uh, but you know what, dude? Like, I've got the message somewhere. I can't remember if he DM'd me or texted me, man. But he was, he said, uh, Man, tell me how to cook this. Uh, I really appreciate you giving this to me, and I want to do it justice. It's like, dude, that's why you got the turkey breast right there, dude, because you get this. Yeah. But yeah man like I mean hell I'd give somebody a, a backstrap out of a out of a whitetail. Yeah. Like bear meat? I'm not giving dude, I gave somebody I gave somebody some bear meat of the first bear I killed. Oh man. I checked with them this I checked with them uh this year and I was like, "Man, what'd you think about that?" And they're like, Ugh, I didn't cook it, man. I I didn't know what to do." <laughs> I mean, I'm still. I'm not just like, I'm not just mad. It like hurt my feelings. Like I, I felt like I I I had been wounded, and I felt like I had misjudged this person. You know, like I I mean, it was a it was a reckoning. Uh,
1: I I'm I yeah. This this is something I'm glad that you're affirming because I always, I I go back to the turkey thing. I think I don't I can't remember. I can't remember ever giving anyone turkey meat, really, ever. Come into my house, or I'll come to your house and bring it and mm-hmm. cook it, and we'll enjoy it together. Absolutely, I think I might have to go and give some turkey meat this year to somebody because I can't remember when I've ever because I it, I love it so much, and it's it's a finite resource. Yeah, and I've always had people that have ever listened to me talk about turkey hunting and, and will know. And Jesse Griffiths and I talk about this quite a bit. and I think I converted him to this this, uh, line of thought. But I think I looked at turkeys and the yield of meat on each turkey and kind of how much my family eats over a year's time. And I decided that if I was going to make an assumption, I would say like 10 turkeys a year would put my family in white meat for the entire year.
0: Which is a, I mean, that's a ton of turkeys.
1: And you can offset that with some pheasants and some, you know, a few ducks here and there. But like really... My, you know, like replacing chicken consumption in my yeah. life, lunch meat, stuff like that, which I hate being in my house, but it, every once in a while it is. And I can't really tell my, like, I'll say, honey, we don't, that's not how we roll. She's like, you want me to just eat red meat every day all the time? Yeah. Like, so we had that conversation. I said, well, if that's going to be it, I got to go out there and, and replace that stuff. Um, I've never gotten to 10. I've gotten to eight, eight, two or three different times. I think three times. Uh, so it's precious to me that way, cause you gotta make it last till spring.
0: Uh, Dude, no, I get that, and look, I, I, I got to the point. So like, I don't have any. I killed six turkeys. I don't have any turkey breast left. Right.
1: Right. Me either.
0: And I, you know, I kind of was like, oh man, maybe you were, maybe you were a little too fast and loose with this. But then I thought about it, like. I stayed at Hal Herring's house, right? I gave him a one of the breasts, right? Yep. I stayed at my buddy Joe's house and hunt turkey hunted out of his out of his place for a few days, right? So uh I cooked one of the turkey breasts uh for him and his now fiance and like it, but dude it was dope. I made like turkey schnitzel with like morels and it was like a great like thanks a lot for hosting me yeah. meal. And then somebody uh when i was at jimmy uh in lydia's house from hunters of color man it was uh lydia's mom's birthday so her family came like her mom and her dad and her sister came over so i like cooked one of the turkey breasts uh for her mom right and that's not just it wasn't just for her mom it was like just to show appreciation for like I mean, dude, I stayed at their house for like a week. I had my I lived in my van outside their house for like a week. <laughs> you know, I was like turkey hunting with Jimmy and
1: They weren't down by the river, were they? No, dude. They
0: live they got a red house, man, right across the street from a rhododendron farm. Uh beautiful place, man. Okay. Uh and then the first turkey I killed, there was a this guy Richie that was hunting with us, and uh he was still trying to get his first one. And the way it worked out, me and him me and him were next to each other with our bows. And these two turkeys came in and they like got right past us. And then they figured out something was up and they turned around to booger. And they didn't they didn't run, but they like kind of started hot stepping. And I think I think he just stutter stepped a minute, getting his bow back, and I drew back and I shot one, right? Like at six yards. And so I felt like and I told him I was like, hey man, thanks for letting me shoot that turkey. You know, uh I had missed a turkey earlier, like, you know, by rights, he could have been like, I'm I'm shooting whatever. And so I gave him a turkey breast. So there was nothing, there was no one who got one that it wasn't calculated. Right. Really what it made me think was like, oh dude, I was so stoked about six and I wish I had gotten ten. Cause yeah, man, that you take that big hunk out, man, and it is it's, there's, no, it's, it's nostalgic. Like when you, when you're making a switch from like, you know, commercial meat to eating wild game, there are adjustments that you have to make. You have to adjust your palate. You have to adjust your yeah. expectations, all of that stuff, dude, a wild Turkey breast. I mean, that's as, that's as taste wise. That's as close oh. to going to the grocery store as you're ever going to get. And it's just familiar and rad.
1: Yeah, it's I, I couldn't say it any better. It, it's And that's what makes it, like you mentioned it being, it's just at the top, you know. And even the legs and the thighs, they present a challenge at some point, you know, to make. But they also, for me, when I'm making soups or when I'm making, mm-hmm. when I'm at home and I'm cooking, like, they just add a different element. Just like a duck, man. You have, like, you have you could slice off of the breast with the skin on and sear it like we did for for breakfast and still have the stock pot going and yeah. so do the same thing with the turkey exactly sure. the same thing it's got it's like a dynamic it's got dynamic cuts that need different treatments and different knowledge and and, and if you're going to smoke a turkey breast boy you got to get that sucker right you got to brine it right you mm, got to smoke it mm, right you, yeah. you know you can realize you know, i've i've seen a lot of pictures online and eating some turkey breast you're like Egh like it's not yeah
0: i've a, i've i've like uh i've messed. i i wouldn't say I, it wasn't inedible like i still ate the whole thing but i was like man this could have been way better
1: and that's like once you hit that i and i i will say this when it when you said earlier we were talking about kind of somebody comes to your house you, you haven't dialed how to cook a duck up so they appreciate it if sure. it's their first time yeah. or whatever come to my house you want an elk steak i I get you. Mm-hmm. I'll take care of you. I'm, I've done it so many times now. It's like I'm going to reverse sear. it. It's going to be good. Just just trust me. It's going to look and, and, and taste good. I've, I'm still not there with turkeys, man. Every once in a while, like you say, every once in a while, I hit the smoke wrong or I just don't brine it long enough or brine it at all or I just, you know, just I mess it up or I don't – I pull the leg out too early and start to strip the meat out when it's still kind of – hard and Mm -hmm. you know the forecast to do most of the work like that that is if i had perfected anything is not turkeys you know uh which i don't i don't think is a bad thing but
0: i mean you got lots of living and lots of turkeys and
1: one of these years i'm gonna get 10 but then also here's the other thing i wonder what you think about this when i started thinking about getting 10 it becomes a very personal endeavor then right I have a, a non-profit that's about hunting mentorship, <laughs> and I have a. I also say if you're going to get ten turkeys, it's a full-time job. Yeah. So I have a, a non-profit that's about hunting mentorship. I have an eye on. I to me, it's required reading for lack of a better term each year to understand like the broad sense of turkey populations, where they are, where they should be, where they are, where they aren't. It kind of just. Make sure I understand the overall health, not only everywhere I'm going to hunt, but just in general where turkeys are. Mm-hmm. I'm interested in it. It's something I'm very passionate about. So I think about that. So there, there's some competing interests within all the things I just mentioned. You know, there's competing interests within wanting to share this with other people personally, take them and show them how to turkey hunt. But the full time job, like every time I do that, that's probably one less turkey I'm going to get for my ten. Sure. And then ten turkeys. You know I, if every turkey hunter killed ten turkeys, we'd be screwed
0: untenable, yeah, it's
1: an untenable thing, so I think like like many of the more personal like pursuit oriented goals within hunting this one is is the more I've done it, the more I'm like, yeah, well, you
0: know what I'm thinking too is I'm not I'm not big on uh I'm basing your success or your satisfaction on numbers, right? Uh, I, I, I think that uh, I think it can take you out of what you're doing a little bit. I think it can, uh, and, and I'm not coming at you with this, but I'm just like you know, as I think because that's something that hunter satisfaction with with uh, with ducks is so tied to people getting limits, like right? Piles of. Yeah, man, or just, man, if the limit, I, I saw this with speckle bellies, right? They limit was three, and for two years, the last two years, they changed it to two, and then now it's back to three. Yeah. And I was on a hunt this year, and, man, it was great. We had, it was a good shoot, man. We had a bunch of birds in there, and uh the dude I was hunting with, man, he, like, just wanted to keep staying. And it was, like, that moment where. You know, because a big part of what I'm doing is managing the hunter's experience. So, yeah. you know, I watch them. And when you start seeing somebody, it's 1030, and you're trying to stay out there. And you see someone's, like, leg just <laughs> bouncing because they're cold and miserable. It's like, dude, it's not worth trying to eke out yeah. another bird. Like, let them get a cup of coffee. Let them stay involved in this, right? Uh, and he just he wanted to stay out there. And I was like, dude. This would have been nine limits last year. What we have in this, what we have in the blind last year, would be nine limits of specs. You would have been, you would have been hooting and hollering, talking about like,
1: the I mean, everyone day ever. say, yeah. Man,
0: we got limits by eight o'clock. Yeah. Right. I was like, dude,
1: we got piles of geese in here.
0: Walk away from it, man. Let's get the hell out of here. Let's not blow up. Let's come back here and hunt this field tomorrow. Let's not just yeah. blow it out. But, uh, but yes, yeah, so I would say. You know, even on the road to ten, be a little careful with that, so you don't you don't feel disappointed or like you didn't do what you had set out to do. Yeah, he,
1: I still keep. I'm still talking about the ten, but every year that goes by, I get less dedicated to it for all the reasons I said and the reason you just said because it takes some of the joy, yeah, man, out of it and and the perspective and all that. And I, I tell myself, well, I'm doing it to feed my family. I want to make sure that we have turkey all year round. I want to make sure that. At Christmas, I can pull out a smoke of turkey breast and slice it up for sandwiches while my family's in town. Like, But that's, unfortunately, for most people are going to If they kill one turkey a year, that's a great damn year. Yeah. You know? So, I yeah. It's having those goals and getting to those next levels in hunting. All, all of them come with their own little trap doors and stuff. You can fall through if you're not watching.
0: Well, that. and, man, it's like. You don't actually have to have turkey year round. Like, there's something to like. Man, I ran out of this. I used it up. I, right. I used it intentionally, but I used it up. And I'm thinking about it.
1: And I kill a lot of grouse. I kill some pheasants every year. There's mm-hmm. plenty of ways to supplement. There's that, analogs. So. Yeah. 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 So, uh, so I get. Yeah. And, and again, I don't. It's that's probably not worth beating this horse too much. But that's that's a. Uh, I think it, it's 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 ni- it's nicely analogous to. There are little little tricks and trapdoors and ethical things that happen in each level of hunting, mm-hmm. you know. And, and there's like stages of hunting. People have written out the stages, you know, the trophy stage, the appreciation stage, the tagging you know, out, the tagging out stage. Like there's people have expressed this in stages because, and really, the way I look at that is you just as you experience something, you're you're moving up the ladder up these levels to a yeah, and your
0: goalpost change and
1: goalpost change to a greater understanding of that. And that's what it's analogous of. Some people just want to hear a turkey gobble. Some people uh just wanna fill a, a tag for the first time in a different state. Some people just yeah. want want to find a community of people that'll go hunting with them and do things like that. So I'm sitting here talking about we gotta get ten. Well I we live we live I for ducks for sure and for turkeys for sure, we live in the best of times. Yeah. The best yeah. of times. And you think about generationally how many if you're if you're listening to this and you're thirty five years old and your great grandfather was a duck or turkey hunter, like that's yeah. that's a special thing.
0: Shit, ducks, man, it was like twenty day season, two birds or like the yeah. the point system where if you killed a hen you were done. Yeah
1: yeah and turkeys were being translocated into places in the seventies and eighties the n w t f didn't start until the mid seventies like that we are we we are in a very special time for the resource for the bird for the for conservation for the kind of the general knowledge of what this means, but also in practice we are carrying a torch that hasn't been burning all that long mhm it just hasn't yeah and so to be able to step back and appreciate that for a second, I do. We do this turkey podcast called Roost, and we start off, and we do another elk podcast called Wallow, and we start off the, the the discussions. They're like eight episodes, little mini series. But we start each discussion with a, with this kind of like reverence and and conversation about what's it mean to be an elk hunter, what's it mean to be a turkey hunter, what's it mean to be a duck hunter, what's it mean for you as a person. What's it mean for you, in terms of the lineage, the community, the conservation, the ecosystem? Like, what's it mean for your mental and physical health to be doing it? Because it's so important to have that context, man. To yeah. understand.
0: It takes that dude. It takes it out of, uh, and I and I get it, man. Because I like didn't grow up hunting, and then like I had weird thoughts about it, and then like like we talked about like yeah. with uh. With, like, hunting bears or, like, a mountain lion or anything. Uh, but the the frame of reference for it is, yeah, excruciatingly important. Uh, it it makes it – it's the difference between being, like, you know, in my mind, like, uh, an admirable person in the pursuit and, yeah. you know, like a, a stinker. Like, Selfish. And we, yeah. yeah and we no, all know
1: the stinkers. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I mean, like, there sh- there should be something to strive to here. You know, and I'm t- we've been telling stories about kind of, I came from, like, my dad is an admirable person and an admirable hunter. But he, in his own admission, like, he, hunting never got to him. He came up with it on his own. Yeah. It was never passed down to him. Yeah. And so what he passed down to me was a book not was was a book that just kind of had some scribbling in the pages. He didn't say, you know, when your grandfather taught me and his grandfather taught him, we this is how we do it in this family. Mm-hmm. There's none of that for him. It was like, wow, when I was a teenager, man, I really wanted to get outside, and I went and found some pheasants, found some squirrels, found some rabbits, eventually found some deer. Did that till I had little kids, and then I got away from it because I was pretty busy with my own business and little kids and then when you got interested, I got back into it and Now here we are, and so for me, I think of that as like it's pretty special to be helping write that book, man, and passing that down to my kids
0: yeah man it's a it's a heady thing, dude, it is you know
1: so so it's that context to me whenever I get to be complaining about my first world hunting problems, like I only got eight turkeys. I just take a step back, like, like, man, if this ever goes away, the Lord, I hope it does not. If this, if this plent, well, I mean, we've seen in the southeast East here, man, we've seen turkeys, yeah, on the decline.
0: it's hard to kill a turkey in Arkansas.
1: Damn right. And and so we see little blips on that radar of what would happen if it went away, you know. So I, yeah, you can check yourself, man. If I get going on the ten turkey problem. Every once in a while, you would be like, "Shut up, dude!" Hey,
0: man! In the words of Chuck D, you got to check yourself before you wreck yourself. Don't wreck
1: yourself. Always check yourself,
0: man. I feel like, I feel like that's a great place to put a button in it, man.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, yeah, hey, dude. On like on the on the real real, man. Like, thanks a bunch for. Thanks much for accepting the invitation and coming down. It's been a yeah, it's been a real pleasure, dude.
1: Thanks for having me, man. This is it's been. I'm gonna I'm gonna This is gonna give me some energy for a while, I think. Just meeting you and, and having these conversations and going duck hunting down here and just like you said, it's it's not. I've been duck hunting in Arkansas a ton, mm-hmm. more than any other place. But this shit's different to me, you know. Like it's it'll it'll give me some energy. Like, yeah, your perspective, like you're a unique dude, man. So it'll give me a little bit of like. Let's go, man. I'm going to match that energy in my own life.
0: Man, Shit, man. Well, take that well, back. High praise. Well, that sounds like we might be running into each other on, on turkey tour this spring. Man. Uh,
1: it's basically already spring for me. I'm only doing this to bide my time for turkeys. You're thinking about it, huh? I started thinking about it, like, right after Christmas.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm a... Uh, dude, I have... I Honestly, I have not stopped thinking about it since last turkey season. I got to
1: make myself stop thinking about it or it gets weird. So, my wife was like, why don't you just stop thinking about it in, like, July... And then pick it back up again at Christmas. I was like, okay,
0: that works, dude. I'm not gonna stop. I mean, look, it- I'm lying been doing it for about stuff. I think about it. Than me.
1: I think about it all the time. I just, I just like say this what I say,
0: dude. When I drop my kid off at preschool, I, uh, I rock a diaphragm call a lot of times for those little kids, and they love it. Yeah. I mean, they make the noise, make the noise, make the noise. And <laughs> I go on there and, then, <laughs> and I mean, shit, dude. Even to the point, her teacher had me come in and give like a presentation and so like you know i pulled out deer antlers and then i like grunted and uh i pulled out a turkey fan uh and dude my kid's teacher is real cool miss haley she's she's like exactly who you want uh teaching your kid and so like i gave her i gave her one of my turkey fans for her science spot you know and i gave her an old pintail mount that i had and Dude, I thought about it. I was like, "Man, should I give her a turkey tail?" And I was like, "Yeah, dude, she, <laughs> she she's right, man. She gets uh-huh. one because those kids are. Those kids get to put their hands on it and and see it, right? And yeah. they, they, they know that they can. Uh, like, they'll call out animal noises. Like, I'll roll in there and like, wah, wah, I'll quack at them or I'll like have a crow call or or whatever, man. And uh, I mean, they just think I'm a, they just think I'm a weirdo, right? But, dude, I'm all about it, man, because. One of those kids, one of those kids is going to get something out of it. I mean, shit. You know what I do a lot too. This is the last thing i say. I'll go in there <laughs> and I'll flex on those teachers. So I took them a bunch of. Last year they were all weirded out, like, "What do you do?" You know. And then I took them some goose jerky I made, and they've been asking for it since. So I took them a bunch of goose jerky this year. Uh, but I'll be like, "Hey Hazel, what did you eat last night?" And you know, she'll be like. Mm, mountain lion and i'm like damn right you did <laughs>
1: you know like, <laughs> who else hit, raise your hand if you ate yeah you, a do you eat some mountain lion do you have you have bear meatballs you johnny you looking at me <laughs> no man let me get you some bear meatballs no. yeah that's a good idea man i gotta get i gotta get a little closer to the teachers at my kid's school and i'm probably saying thing although in montana it's gotta, it's like kind of expected if i yeah if i brought out the turkey they'd be like yeah what uh what of it probably dude.
0: man take him some of that uh
1: Ooh, I'm going to take up some speckle belly goose.
0: Yeah, dude. It's a... Dude, everybody likes a speckle belly.
1: The speckle belly's been another revelation up here, man. Because you don't... Too, I'll, I'll leave this, but I'm going to disparage a bird before we go. Oh, man. Because we've been talking about how reverent, like how reverent we are about birds. Here's a bird I'm going to disparage. The Sandhill Crane.
0: Oh now, yeah, you were saying you didn't think it was always cracked up to be. No, right?
1: yeah, not that it's a bad bird or it doesn't taste all right, but it's not the ribeye of the sky. It's, I think that's propaganda for for Sandhill Crane, probably uh, lobbyists, something, <laughs> so, the big so, something with big Sandhill Crane, the big machine, yeah, man, the big machine. Sand well, I'll crayon. text
0: you. I'll let you know because I'm going to be hunting them next weekend, man. So, yeah, yeah,
1: you let me know. You send me a picture of what you're doing. You'll make it good and it'll taste good. But I just just think about it versus a speckle belly is what I would like to say. Nobody this. has ever said speckle is a ribeye of any sky that I've heard. Oh,
0: really? So that's that's what I've always heard is like.
1: Okay, it's good to know.
0: They all like folks always call specks ribeye of the sky and sandhills. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to take a speck down there and we're going to cook them side by side and taste see what we, test. Think. Yeah. we
1: did it, So we did that last, a couple of weeks ago. We did it on the, on the podcast. We did a goldeneye and a teal. What would you think? A little taste test. I thought goldeneye was good. It had a little... It, it, I knew it right away because we didn't do it. We should have done a blind taste test because of the size. It was too easy to tell. There's a
0: little there's a little bit of minerality to it.
1: Yeah, it's got a little bit of that and it had a little like tinge aftertaste, like a little minerality, like a mineral aftertaste. But in terms of, like, did I eat it and enjoy it? Absolutely. We were watching GoldenEye fly by us, and people were like, ah, I don't want to shoot that one. We're going to eat that. I, I was like, well, just shoot one. Let's see. Because I've never, you know, mm-hmm. never tried one. It was, it was damn good. Right, so I can leave you, leave everyone with, with this, this idea. I can't think of, not that there aren't any, but I can't think of any, preconceived notions about wild game and their taste. And they're at the nature of how edible they are that somebody has presented me. They're like, nah, you know, antelope, they're no good. They're sagey or snow geese. Ah, you don't eat those or trash birds or whatever it might be. Any negative frequency notion about wild game. I, every time I get it, I can disprove it easily.
0: Yeah, I, I would, man, I would, uh,
1: can you ever think of a time where somebody's like, you know, what's not good name an animal. And then you go and you and you prepare it properly and it's not delicious. Or it's not way mm,
0: you ever ate a Merganser?
1: Nope.
0: is a a deeply, deeply fishy tasting duck. Yeah. Uh but you know what? And I'll give Hank Shaw a shout out on this too, man. I cooked a bunch of scoters
1: yeah uh, in sure,
0: california sure. last year man and that's like a sea duck that's right? a sea
1: duck you're not supposed to that's like a you know must make jerky out of those or dude do your dog uh
0: hank was like hank said brine them for 12 hours yeah so I brine them for 12 hours i mean if you go along they're so small if you brine like this is just the skinned breast so what you got to do is on birds like that diver ducks whatever just like the fish eaters that are funky you got to get all the fat off it, all that little bits of yellow fat get that off yeah skin those birds and give them an 8 to 12 hour just simple salt water a little bit of sugar brine pat them dry and then cook them and i would say that you know if you did it just like a mallard breast a mallard breast is an a and that scoter breast done like that was a I mean I'd be i I'd call it a B minus.
1: Oh, it got in the B's, I was wondering. Yeah, man. I
0: mean look, it ain't it that's ain't a massive a grade.
1: But that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying if somebody comes to you and goes, you know, antelope ugh, ugh, I'm not saying it's gonna in, it, in the case of antelope, it is the be- one of the best meats I've ever tasted. A lot of people think it's no good. Some people think it's no good. So I don't know. I would challenge the preconceived notion if somebody comes to you and be like, Ah, we don't eat yeah. We don't eat that. But like well, let's try to eat that. And let's just understand what's well, not good about it and then and uh, mitigate that with their cooking method.
0: Yeah, I mean look, there's gonna be you're gonna have preferences, but dude, let's like I said, man, if you went out there and you took it, you took it away from what it was, you changed its form, you got to, man.
1: You got to. There's oh man, shit.
0: We, we you got it you gotta eat it and look, man, like you said, jerky, uh brine and stuff. Look, a gumbo's a great way to make some stuff go down.
1: That gumbo we ate tonight yesterday. That's a science, man.
0: Yeah, I like that gum man, that was a that was a particularly good batch of uh of gumbo. I've been I what-
1: wish I could try I, I will try it at home. I've never made a gumbo because it's just not not uh, the kind of thing they make where I'm from. Chili before mm-hmm. I make the hell out of some chili. Sure. But I'm gonna do it. I will commit to doing it. Not that you asked me to, but I will commit to doing it. And I'll see how it goes. I feel I once sat in a duck blind with. Uh, this is gonna be a horrible name drop, but oh well. With Phil Robertson. Oh yeah, yeah. And I asked him, "What's your uh, What's your favorite way to cook up ducks?" And he took about forty five minutes to tell me how to do gumbo. Yeah. And in the right at the end of his recipe, he told me. He. Hit the call, and a duck comes dropping in right in front of us in the decoys, and I shot a single mallard. And that was, like, pretty much the end of his res- like recipe, and that was it. And then we got the duck, and we left. That was a
0: punctuation
1: mark. Yeah, dude, it was great.
0: Dude, if you're going to hunt with that guy and talk about gumbo,
1: that what a great story, man. He was like, sim of the rice, and <laughs> you sim <simber> of the okra. <laughs> it's like... And then, but wait, wait, wait! You know, I can't. I will not try to to do his accent. But it was pretty spectacular because I'm a fanboy from from way back and before when they were on VHS when they were the Duck Men. Yeah, flipping
0: deer and the decoys. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, man, that's a good full circle uh, duck convo. Uh, All the way. Oh, yeah man. man, so dude, yeah, I hope to hang out and hunt again sometime and again, dude, thanks a ton for coming down, but
1: Yeah, man, it's been awesome, man. So special stuff.
0: And uh just for my listeners, uh Ben O'Brien can be found
1: where and in- Oh you can find me uh, on Instagram at B 301 the Woodside with Ben O'Brien's the podcast Woodside uh, Media Network is the network where you can find all the other shows we talk about, the turkey show and the elk show. We have a show called Hunter and Vegan that I did with a vegan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all that stuff, man, and, and uh, a lot of video stuff coming this this year too. So, Going to keep cranking on it.
0: Right on, man. Yeah, uh, Check all that stuff out if you like going down these these rabbit holes because uh, there's i mean shit man you probably got more exploratory the why behind hunting <laughs> podcast conversations <laughs> than anybody on planet earth so. I,
1: yeah we'll probably be close to that it's been uh it's been an education that's for sure
0: right on well thanks a bunch and uh folks thanks for listening until next time see ya hey thanks a bunch uh everybody i really appreciate you listening all the way through to this episode of the black duck revival podcast as always produced by me jonathan wilkins and my main man brian dizzle sex uh keep up with me on the website that's BlackDuckRevival.com. that's for recipes videos articles uh take a look at uh, what hunting opportunities we have available this next year is going to be cool man uh We're going to do stuff in some different states. We're going to chase different species than we normally have. Uh, Lots of cool stuff to come and hopefully have that all kind of, or have a lot of that uh, figured out and up on the website here in the coming months. So pay attention to that. If you want to be the first to know, you can always get on the email list. Uh, And you can do that just by going to the Experiences tab at the website and signing up to be on that email list. You'll find out about cool stuff that we're doing and hunts and all that jazz. Uh, ahead of everybody else uh, you can also follow me on instagram that handle is just black duck revival uh, that's kind of more in the now happenings and especially as we move into the spring with turkey tour and the like there'll be a lot more uh, information and uh, just cool stuff that we're sharing there uh and please if you guys enjoy this podcast help uh help make it bigger help more people listen to it uh and that just The more people that listen to it, like the more opportunities I've got to talk to cool people, harder to find people, uh, and, you know, work with different brands and keep this whole thing sustainable. Uh, so, uh, easiest way to do that is just to leave a five-star review on Apple or Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. You can even take a few minutes and write a written review. That's incredibly helpful for the algorithm or just tell your friends and people, you know, uh, that this is a podcast that's worth listening to i know everybody doesn't listen to podcasts all the time but uh you know if you know someone's going on a road trip for spring break or something say hey man i got one that i like to listen to uh here's a specific episode and you never know what that can turn into so thanks for listening until next time